So is this the end of buyer's agency commission? An article came out on September 27th about a class action lawsuit that was launched two years ago regarding real estate sale commissions in the GTA. Since that class action lawsuit was launched two years ago, the real estate industry has sort of tried to keep it on the down low, but this week, a federal judge just determined that the class action is valid and gave the green light to proceed with the case. So let me break it down a little bit for you. So in Ontario, there are three commission models. A realtor can either get paid on a fixed amount, a percentage of the sale, or a combo of both. Now, typically in Ontario, specifically Southern Ontario, where I trade real estate, it is a percentage of the sale, and most commonly it's 5%. And that amount is normally split, split equally between the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. Now, in the GTA, the average commission on an average home, get this, has gone from $21,500 in 2010 to $57,000 in 2023. Now, the reason for this is obviously the gigantic increase in home prices and the majority of realtors opting to pay themselves and the buyer's agent with that percentage amount. So they're normally offering their services with that percentage amount rather than the fixed amount. And that's why you see the average commission shoot up with the average price of an average home in those areas. Now the class action lawsuit is claiming a conspiracy agreements or arrangement to fix, maintain, increase or control commissions. Now that sounds complicated. Uh, basically what they're doing is saying that there's a conspiracy among real estate brokerages that they've opted to say that they won't list a home for less than 5%. They've claimed that there were a number of brokerages in the GTA that would not allow less than a certain amount of commission to list a home. So the sellers felt like they were pressured if they wanted to list their home with that brokerage that they had to do it for a minimum amount of commission, you know, generally around that 5%. So particularly, they seem to be upset with buyer's agent commission. So they don't really think it's fair that the buyer's agent should collect half of the haul and that they should have to pay that half. So generally what happens is the listing agent and the seller come to an agreement around how much commission will be charged at the sale of their house. So generally that's around 5%, like I said. So you've got two and a half to the listing side and two and a half to the buying side. But these sellers don't think it's really fair for them to have to pay that two and a half to the buy side. So what they're arguing for is an unrestricted market that would cause buyers agents to negotiate their commission. So this could be huge. Now, what it could do is reduce the percentage that sellers are offering for buyer's agency compensation. It could also attach a fixed rate for that buyer's agency compensation or a bit of a hybrid model. But I do think that things are subject to, to change. So definitely watch that story because it could have a huge impact on the real estate industry. Now, for example, there are around 40,000 real estate agents in Toronto and 5,000 deals per month. So there's a lot of realtors that aren't out there doing a lot of deals. It's sort of like that 80-20 rule. You know, generally the majority of those deals are scooped up by the top, you know, 20% of realtors. 
Now, perhaps what we'll see in the future is one, a reduced Asian account because people saw what the average commission was and decided to hop into the industry. So hopefully we will see a reduced agent count, but we also might see a future where commissions are a little bit more flexible, whether that is your fixed rate, whether that is your you know fixed amount, whether that is negotiable commissions, as opposed to just getting stuck with that 5%, like these sellers are claiming they were stuck with. And I do know that it can happen sometimes, and, and especially in the Southern Ontario marketplace, I, I have heard horror stories of, you know, brokerages claiming this rule. So I, I do know it does happen. I do think that they, you know, do have a case here and it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I do think that there is something similar going on in the States right now. So let's see what happens in the States. I think we'll get that result before we'll get the Canadian result. But I do think the Canadian result will be heavily influenced by whatever happens down South. Now, the next article was in regards to first time home buyers. So Mortgage Pro basically ran a survey recently and they found that 48% of non-homeowners, so renters, they don't see themselves ever being able to buy a home. Now, this might come as a shocker because just six months ago when they ran the same survey back in you know Q1 of 2023, they found that there was a 15% increase in those six months. So back then it was only 33% of non-homeowners surveyed said that they don't see themselves ever being able to buy a home. And just six months later, 48% said that they don't see themselves ever being able to buy a home. 42% of them also reported that they would move to a new province for affordability. We've definitely seen that with a lot of migration out east or also to Calgary where homes are a little bit more affordable based on the average household income. 77% of non-owners also felt that increasing rates would hinder their buying plans. So this is so important because we've seen a gigantic increase to both fixed rates and variable rates over the last 12 months. So absolutely, it's going to affect their buying plans. Let me run a little bit of numbers for you guys. So the average house price in Canada in August was $650,000. Now, yes, that is heavily influenced by what happens in BC and Toronto, the two largest markets with generally the two most expensive markets pulling that average price up. But let's just use the average price for a sake of numbers. So we've got 650 for the average price and the minimum down payment on a home that is $650,000 is around $40,000. So that would give you a mortgage of $610,000. Now a simple mortgage calculator gives you a monthly payment of around $3,900 at a 6% five year fixed rate interest mortgage and a 25 year amortization. So no wonder sentiments down. That's $4,000 a month to have the average house. In order to buy the average house, you have to qualify for a mortgage where you can spend $4,000 a month on housing. Now, maybe you're in a rental situation that you, you know, you got in a rental the last four or five years when things weren't so crazy and you're paying, you know, $1,000 a month. Why would you want to quadruple that to move into a house? Now, let's say it's the other way around and you recently got into a rental. Maybe you recently moved out of mom and dad's house and now you're renting and you're in a space by yourself and your rent's, you know, $2,000 to $3,000 a month, depending on where you are. How are you going to save up for one that down payment 
when your monthly bill for housing is so much more expensive than one, it used to be, and two, that maybe your monthly income is. So, you know, obviously affordability is really out of the window right now, and I definitely feel for these non-owners. It's so tough to get pre-qualified for a mortgage right now, especially at an amount that, you know, is achievable and that, you know, homes exist where you either work or where you want to live. So definitely feel for those first-time buyers and those individuals who are renting right now. Now, let's talk a little bit more about those mortgage rates. So the Canadian five-year bond yield continues to rip. This is something that we're going to be watching every single week. And it's recently hit levels last seen in 2007 above the 4.2% mark. So bond yields are above 4.2%, which was last seen in 2007, which puts your fixed rate at around 6.2%. So it's absolutely tough right now, especially with the stress test. If your fixed rate mortgage is at 6.2%, you need to qualify for a mortgage as if that rate is at 8.2% because of the stress test. Okay, so now let's talk about some good news. Finally, some great news in Canadian housing. So we saw the Canadian government earlier this week announced that they will be removing the GST on purpose-built rentals. So what the heck does this mean? Well, previously, when builders were building a purpose-built rental, again, think of an apartment building, think of, you know, uh, even a, even a, a ground-level purpose-built rental. So the house is just built for a rental. It's not built for resale. That's your purpose-built rentals. So previously what had happened is when a builder built that purpose-built rental, they would have to pay GST on top of it, but they received the rebate known as the GST new residential rental property rebate of 36%. So let's say they paid $1,000, they'd get $360 back with that rebate. So they paid $1,000 of GST, $360 back, come tax time as a tax rebate. Now, the Canadian government will give them 100% of that GST that they paid back in a rebate. So let's say they paid $1,000, they're going to get that $1,000 back. So this change should encourage the development of purpose-built rentals, which were previously seen as less affordable due to that GST and HST that had to be paid and weren't able to be recouped. So they were a bit of a sunken cost when they're running these numbers on these purpose-built rentals. Now this should increase the amount of supply of these types of developments and keep up with demand. Now, I don't know how effective this policy is going to be, especially in Southern Ontario, where the margins, you know, even with this rebate, it still might not make a whole lot of sense to build those purpose-built rentals. It might make more sense out in Calgary. It might make more sense out in the East Coast. So it does certainly improve, hopefully improve the stock of purpose-built rentals and the development in those areas. But in terms of Southern Ontario, you know, I hope it moves the needle, but I'm not sure. We'll have to see, you know, if time if time shows that it does move the needle and this policy comes in and sort of saves the day and helps out. Now, how much are they going to be saving? So according to the finance department, this rebate will result in about 5% savings for development or a 25K rebate for a 500000 
two unit development. So let's say for example, you know, you built a two unit development as a purpose built rental and it was a $500,000 valuation. Basically you'd have to pay $25,000 of that as GST, but you would get that GST back. So it'd be a savings of around 5% compared to what it previously was. Now, only time will tell, you know, again, like I was saying, only time will sort of tell what this does to purpose-built rental stock. You know, will we see provincial and municipal governments sort of waive some of their taxes? Will they follow suit as the federal government sort of sets the precedent? And will we see these municipal and provincial taxes being waived as well? According to the Canadian Home Builder Association, they say that municipal development taxes have gone up some 700% over the past two decades and that taxes make up about 30% of the price of a home today. That part is just mind-boggling. So that million-dollar home, $300,000 of that million-dollar home goes to the government according to the Canadian Home Builder Association. That is absolutely nuts. So will we see some of these municipal and provincial taxes sort of follow suit with the Canadian government and start to remove some of their taxes so we can build more homes? You know, let's see if this is a step in the right direction. Let's see if we can build more homes and reach that three and a half million home deficit that we need to have by 2030. According to CMHC, we need to build three and a half million more homes in order to get housing back to an affordable level. So let's see what happens with policy if we see some government officials changing policy or even vouching for it and we see some things start to change so we can get more supply into the market because ultimately that's the story. We need to decrease demand and increase the amount of supply so we can start getting prices back to an affordable level. All right, guys, that's all for me. I hope you liked this episode on Canadian news. Until next time, guys, the, 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 that's all, folks. Take care. Enjoy.